Hello, fellow ag nerds. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich, and every week I get to sit down with the founders, the farmers, the innovators, the investors, the people shaping the future of the ag industry. Today's episode is a peek into what I would consider one of the hottest ag tech companies to come along in recent years, Bushel. I've known about Bushel for, I would say, a couple years now or so, and originally just understood them to be a company that was digitizing scale tickets, which actually is how they started. Scale tickets, for those of you who don't know, are the paper receipt that accompanies a load of an agricultural commodity that usually includes how much it delivered and to where and what grade factors there were, etc. It's really important because historically, this is what has been used to get paid properly and to keep effective records on the farm and to have a paper trail for people like bankers, etc. Uh, myself, many of you know, I come from a grain merchandising and feed ingredient merchandising background. These scale tickets really were how we made sure we got paid what we were owed. It's a big deal. So digitizing these seems like a perfectly logical solution. Uh, but then I kept hearing about Bushel growing and raising more money and hiring more people and being a disruptor. I don't know if they would call themselves a disruptor, but, you know, sort of having that sense in, in the media that I was hearing and, and reading about them. And nothing against Bushel at all, but I couldn't figure out how creating digital scale tickets was so disruptive, right? Um, and that included all of these accolades that I was seeing about them. Then I began to read that they weren't just creating digital scale tickets, that they were actually building digital infrastructure for agricultural supply chains. And I think I was supposed to understand exactly what that meant because I couldn't find a more in-depth explanation of why this was so exciting. And then this year, I saw that they raised another $47 million in a Series C round and acquired longtime farm management software company FarmLogs. And it was just clear to me that I needed to get them on the show to explain all of these pieces and help me understand how they fit together. So really, that's what today's episode is all about about me understanding Bushel and why the entire industry seems to be buzzing about them in a very positive way, I'll add. So joining me is Bushel co-founder and CEO Jake Jornstad, as well as Jesse Vollmer, who was the co-founder and CEO of FarmLogs and now is the VP of Farm Strategy at Bushel after the acquisition. We discuss in this episode why a company that is focused on supply chain would get into the farm management software business by acquiring FarmLogs what this digital infrastructure thing is and how it makes money and why they don't see blockchain as the answer for this type of digital infrastructure, because that's where everyone else seems to be digitizing assets and how they might use the data they're collecting in all of these transactions to provide unprecedented insights back to their customer base as they continue to grow. To start with, I'll tell you, Bushel has some really impressive feathers in their cap. They've raised a total now of $75 million, much of it from corporate venture capital arms that represent large grain companies, such as Cargill, Schooler, the Andersons, and Continental Grain, which I actually think is more of an investor and holding company now than a grain company, but we're going to include them anyway. Even more impressive, though, is that Bushel boasts 60,000 active users on its platform, which is used at 2,000 grain buying locations throughout the U.S. and Canada. They reach 40% of grain origination in the U.S., which is a mind-blowing stat to me, and handle $22 billion of grain contracts each year. 
So I'm going to drop you into the conversation here where Jake is talking about how Bushel and Farmlogs actually came from really similar backgrounds, both trying to build custom software for agriculture and other industries before narrowing their focus on their own ag tech ideas, respectively. So here's my conversation with Jake Jornstad and Jesse Vollmer from Bushel, starting with Jake. The long story short is... We thought we could be experts in everything related to mobile software. So we were in the early days, if you remember in 2010, 11, the iPad was coming out, the app store was becoming like a legitimate force. Android had launched in most major markets. And we were like excited about building software for this space. And I was in college at North Coast State doing computer engineering, learning nothing about mobile. So I'm on YouTube learning on my own. And I think a lot of people in my generation were doing that and learning about this space and that's how we got started. But, you know, four or five years into the business, we were trying to be experts in every industry and that's near impossible. And I was always fearful that if we focused too much, that we would not have a big enough market share. That was a flaw in my thinking. And in 2016, as we finally concluded that agriculture would be our future growth path, we were about 50 employees at the time, uh, had not raised capital before, and then worked in 2016 on our, our first idea around what Bushel became as part of that focus. And here we are. So, I learned that focus matters and, uh, you know, being from North Dakota, Minnesota, the Midwest, growing up in agriculture, we knew this space better than anybody from California or New York or even Chicago, frankly. And we were super competitive in that arena. You know, when a grain truck's driving down the road, we know what it's doing and where it's going and probably what crops in there based on the time of year. A lot of people don't know that. And it turns out that was a competitive advantage for us. And the problems you were solving, you know, initially were those sort of like, the problems of uh, paper scale tickets. You know, I, I used to be a merchandiser. So you like, you have a trucker, oh, my scale ticket flew out the window. I don't know where it went. And then you got like nothing. I mean, was it issues like that or what was it at that point? That's that's literally part of the story, right? I think uh, one of our first customers that was led to the Bushel product offering was a co-op, but it was a sugar beet co-op here in North Dakota, Minnesota. We've got a few of those around here. They're pretty big. And they had this problem. They had scale tickets and wait times at the pilers was a disaster. You know, if you know sugar beets, I know Jesse has that up in Michigan going on. When it's time to harvest, like it's a full sprint, even more crazy than any kind of grain that you're aware of. I mean, it is like the world's ending. And if we don't get enough trucks out and if we don't get these piles moved and if things don't do the right thing, they're going to melt down. We're going to lose everything. Like it is a crazy story. And so we were helping these companies consulting wise help build some tools that would help with that problem, including the scale ticket. And that's when we realized that, at least in the broader grain industry, the opportunity existed to solve that problem. That was the first problem was just how do we digitize the scale ticket was our point solution, the first thing we started working on. And then we realized there was a whole opportunity here and the market opportunity was massive. It's funny. It brings back memories. We traded cross country, so we'd buy and sell assets that weren't ours. And um, the only way we had to bill and collect an invoice was from scale tickets from truckers. And you could tell the truck drivers that smoked cigarettes because you'd like open that envelope and pull out those scale tickets and like this cloud of <laughs> cigarette smoke would like cover over you. But anyway, so yeah, very, very Tim, paper driven. We're going to talk a lot about that, I think. What's up? You act like that's not happening still. Like that is the current state of the industry almost everywhere. Like our job at Bushel and with Jesse's team is to figure out how to solve this problem. But like that's the current state most everywhere. I mean, the best case is like you're scanning it with your phone and emailing a package of pictures. And the, my favorite pictures are like the one where the guy's going 72 miles an hour and he's taking a photo and you can see the speedometer in the background while he's taking the photo. I mean, this is the kind of solutions that we're dealing with now. 
Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get a picture in like the corners folded over the one piece of information you actually needed. <laughs> but Jesse, let's talk about farm logs because I, I actually I don't know much about farm logs. So I'm just excited to kind of learn more about it. I mean, a farm management software early on in farm management software. So maybe talk to us about the problem you were addressing in 2011 and how that problem has sort of evolved to here we are 10 years later. Sure. So the origin story of Bushel and the origin story of farm logs are actually very shockingly similar. So my co-founder and I were working in technology. We have agriculture background. I grew up on a farm. My family's been farming for five generations. And we had been working generally in technology. We built an IT consulting firm that was writing software for anyone and everyone. right? And then it just became more and more apparent back in 2011 timeframe that agriculture was not seeing the benefit of technology innovation in that era, right? So today we think about ag as like, oh, there's an ag tech startup left and right everywhere we look. That was not the case in 2011. In 2011, no one was really investing heavily in digital tools for farming and the agriculture industry. And so we would go back home to the farm and we'd look at the software that our families were using to run their farm businesses and be just kind of disgusted with it. You know, as software creators, we just wanted it to be better. It was really clunky installed desktop software that, you know, it it maybe worked, but it was designed 20 years ago and no consideration had really gone into the user experience. And that was the light bulb for my co-founder and myself was, what if we made user experience at the center of the software product that the farmer uses, right? And we came at it from the farmer perspective. So this is maybe a little bit where Bushel and Farmogs diverge, but where I think you'll see as the story comes together, how we can actually strengthen each other. So Brad and I went off, we focused on what are the farmer's problems? Well, the farmer needs to digitize information about their business. They need to understand their cost of production. They want to make optimizations to the logistical kind of execution of getting the farming work done. And so we found a number of different ways to apply data and help them organize data about their farm business that would allow them to make those you know, more strategic decisions. And we did it with a focus on user experience. And so this actually worked really well because at that time, it was just something that every farmer was looking for was software that was their friend, not their enemy. And it caused us to grow very rapidly. We ended up signing up. Today, we have over 110 million acres of land being managed on farm logs. That's over 50,000 active farms on the platform using our product throughout the day to run their farm business and get information about the conditions of their fields. And and so it's been a pretty exciting journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, 10 years later, maybe just to kind of finish that thought, is it still the same sort of thesis you had in 2011 that like, hey, we still have a long ways to go to digitizing or are the problems a little bit different? And, And with the competitive landscape, you know, maybe a need to differentiate yourself in a different way. I think there's still a ton of great work that's yet to come in this space. So, you know, yes, we've been at this for a decade, but it still feels like we're in the early innings. And that is in part because agriculture really wasn't digitized much at all. And that means there are so many different areas that need to be tackled. You know, a lot of other industries had pieces and parts of it all kind of digitized. The farmer's world is a little different because they're running a complex business, a manufacturing business. It's kind of like a factory. And it has, if you think about an auto manufacturing company, how they have a procurement team, right? That's like the whole supply chain being managed of all the inputs coming in. There's a whole team of people, you know, like working on bringing in parts into their supply chain 
Then there's manufacturing, the actual factory, which in this case for farmers at the field, you know, which unlike a factory in a building, you have weather to deal with, which you can't predict. It's going to change. It's a variable component that you have to manage as a farmer. Then you have the production and you have to take this out and sell it. The farmer's doing all of those jobs. I mean, with a few partners in the industry, of course, but really at the end of the day, all those different tasks fall on the farmer. And when you think about how can software and technology help, it's a massive undertaking to think about all the ways you can apply technology across that entire business and add value. And, you know, I think the industry has changed a lot since we got started. There are more players that have emerged that have decided, you know, where we're going to actually help offer value in different parts of the ag value chain. And now we're kind of getting to a point where we can really look at what the industry needs and really deliver some pretty compelling solutions for everyone involved. Right on. Well, let's talk about business models because you two, you know, separately, Bushel and FarmLogs is very different business models, right? FarmLogs selling software to farmers. Bushel, my understanding, selling software to grain handlers. And so this is kind of a, a new market for Bushel, which has had so far tremendous success selling to grain handlers, but now is in the business of, of selling technology to farmers. And so was that something that you wrestled with? I don't know if it's a business model change as much as it is a, a new customer segment that you hadn't focused on before. We certainly have wrestled with it, are still wrestling with it. I mean, we have a general sense of where we need to go how to get there, what are like the right steps in the process is super important to figure out. Uh, Jesse and team, you know, they have done this for 10 years, selling to the grower. We're going to keep that model. There's going to be a part of that model that stays probably forever. I mean, farmers deserve to have optionality of the tools they choose. There's not a lot of business models that exist that you can give a tool like that for free that don't involve using your information potentially against you. So we're not going to change the fundamental belief of how farm logs needs to be a business. But where the partnering and the sort of innovative models exist are inside of the grain industry. There is a lot of interest in grain merchandising companies and these big players to help the grower more. And we think they're going to participate in helping make farm logs accessible, especially if it's tied together and makes both of their jobs better, easier to do business with. That's a big model for Bushel. We're also introducing some future products at Bushel that are around financial movements and, and moving money and helping farmers get paid more effectively, efficiently, not have them drive two hours to drop the check off at the bank kind of problems. That would fit really nicely inside of what Jesse and team are building. And that model creates revenue opportunity that has nothing to do with taking money from the farmer or the facility. There's a big opportunity there where you know banks and other transactional elements come into place where it's just beneficial to the companies we care about. So you're right, at Bushel we sell to the grain companies and their constituents. And then Jesse and team, we, at FarmLogs, we sell to the farmer. And we're going to keep both those models, but they're going to start to blend. And there's going to be partnerships and opportunities where you're working with your grain company and they want to offer a program that happens to come with the operating system for the farm as well. And so there's going to be those kind of opportunities to make this more effective. We're going to be aggressive around making this accessible to farms in the space as well. So you can imagine some changes there. And I think you'll see that more in 2022 than this year. This year, we're staying on the track. Both of us are executing. The FarmLogs team are finishing up a really strong roadmap that they've got. And then we're going to start to blend these tools and make it accessible to everybody. 
Yeah. And so one way to think about it is Bushel has been working on collecting and standardizing that data from the supply chain. And farm logs is the interface to present some context around that data for the grower to actually consume it in a way that you know applies to their business and looking at it from multiple different angles. So, you know, for instance, you can take that input purchase data for all the, you know, the different prices you paid for all your agronomy inputs. When we see that product being used on a particular field, we can automatically accrue that expense out to that field on that per unit cost basis. So we're giving the farmer a full, very detailed field level P&L and they really don't have to do much work at all. It's just kind of flowing automatically. That's really where we think there's some incredibly exciting opportunity is to take the core pieces of business information that a farmer needs, digitize them by connecting through our partners in the supply chain, and then providing that context around that data to the farmer so they can make better decisions and spend less time looking up that info. It's important to point out here though, like both fundamentally at farm logs and, and bushel, and now as we're together on this, the data is being treated with permission-based sort of modeling. We're not just setting information around. It has to be at the request of the grower for their information or for the facility and their information. And so it's very permission-based. So we're kind of flippantly talking about this, but it's important to know like the permissioning of information is is a, an entire part of the model. You know, we're not just sending this information out freely to anybody who requests. This is important to know that it's your information or you deserve to have that information for your farm and the facility and you have this relationship and then same thing for farm logs. So I think just to point that out, I think, you know, you might get a lot of questions of what about data security and what are you doing with all of our information? None of our business models have anything to do with selling people's data. And you can go read about that on our sites as well. Let's talk more specifically about digital infrastructure. The term's been tossed around on this show before. You know, we, we were talking to Microsoft about, you know, Azure and, and how they want to kind of create farm beats as sort of a, a digital infrastructure of sorts. Obviously, we've got Amazon Web Services. But is there an example that you can point to maybe in other industries where it's like this company digitized the infrastructure and look at how well it worked for them? I think it's an easy answer. If you've ever heard of a company called Plaid, P-L-A-I-D, Plaid is the equivalent to what we're trying to do at Bushel for the banking industry. So if you've ever gone onto your credit card app and connected your bank to say, hey, I want to set up automatic payments, all you did was you simply searched the name of your bank. It popped up, you clicked on it, typed in your username and password, and you were in, and now you're able to move money from that bank into your credit card. If you've ever used Mint.com or some of the other tools, you can pull in you know, transaction records from all of your different financial accounts into one place and see you know, how you're doing as an overall you know, financial situation. That is completely powered by Plaid almost entirely everywhere in this country. Plaid's one of the best fintech stories there's ever been. They were going to get bought by Visa. Apparently, they're not being bought by Visa now. And so I'm not sure what the outcome is yet, but it's an incredible story. And what that is, is the banking's digital infrastructure. They went in at one point in the early days, you know, your old websites used to log into to see your bank account. They were scraping those sites and making it available for you in these other tools through an API. What Bushel's doing is the exact same thing. There are 15 to 20 different ERP systems that the ag businesses use around this country that store all of this data around your farm as a farmer. And, you know, the revenue side, at least, and the, probably the expenses on the agronomy. And nobody except Bushel has ever spent any time trying to standardize, gather that information, and make it useful to the grower and the facilities themselves. And so that's what we've been doing. We've connected over 2,000 locations 
in the US and Canada up to this. That'd be like connecting 2,000 banks to a system like this. And uh, we have over 10 billion bushels with a B annually of volume of grain on our platform. That means there are 10 billion bushels that don't have to be double entered by the farmer if they want to use these tools. And that's probably means it touches your farm and your buddy's farm and your cousin's farm and your whoever else. And so that's our vision. And that's the equivalent of what we describe as the digital infrastructure. How do we move the information that matters most in an effective manner that serves the industry broadly, but also helps the farmer do a better job at what they do. And what's Plaid's business model? And is that how you see Bushel's business model playing out? Yeah, good question. So Plaid's business model, it's a combination of things. They've got license agreements with some of the big banks to do those integrations and keep them available. And the reason the bank would pay them is because it makes that bank's technologies and and sort of services accessible across multiple platforms, across Mint.com and maybe your credit card system and all those things. And so that, that was one of their business models was the banks themselves pay, kind of like the grain facility pays bushel. We just happen to provide the interface as well for the farmer with those facilities here. And then the other model for Plaid, which is probably even bigger, is all of the third-party services that pay to make it easier for the end user to get their bank information into another service. That's the same model that we're talking about with farm logs. So we automate the flow of information to farm logs. Obviously, we, we have farm logs in our business now, so it's, it's not like we're going to charge each other necessarily. But for others, you'll pay to be a part of this network and you'll pay to make your software better, whether it's for the farmer or another facility you're working with. The data we have moving it, you'll pay for access to those web services or the tools to display that information and make it easier to get access to the things that you need to do to do better business. And so those are the models that have been built on Plaid. And that's kind of what, what Bushel's doing as well. So for Bushel's growth, the amount of Bushel's don't matter as much as the amount of people. So it's it's more of a SaaS model in that you're charging a user for the amount that they want to use your service, not like collecting a, a tenth of a cent per bushel that is being transacted using it, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. At least to date, our entire business model has been a SaaS-based license. So you buy as a grain company, you buy a license based on the volume that you do as a business, but it's really correlated to how many farmers we're going to be serving information up to that you work with and how much that affects your business. You know, we can show you an ROI of why the bushel tool set makes your business with your farmer more efficient, effective, and actually makes the experience better for the grower, right? So that's been the model. Now, future models have transactional elements to them, like our trade offering today. The grain company will buy it for a license, but they also pay on a per transaction of how many digital offers come in because we can show you and quantify that a digital grain offer coming to your merchandiser desk saves you X amount of dollars versus a phone call and a back and forth. And so there's like some value creation that's happening there where they'll pay up for those things. That's how we operate the trade business. But again, the farmer's not participating or paying any of these fees. They get to use these tools in exchange for doing business with that facility that happens to use bushel powered products. And hopefully that makes sense. That's been our business model. We our growth, we measure in bushels, of course. It's kind of a fun thing. You know, the, the brand and, and everything that we're focused on is how do we build that digital infrastructure? And it turns out that digital infrastructure is best measured by the volume of bushels we produce on an annual basis. We can correlate that to the USDA production numbers. We can correlate that to the grain sales in this country and tell us where we're at. But what we're learning about as a company is that we need to transition from just being about getting the volume and the users to value-added transactions. We're working on our North Star metric around 
what we would call, and we have some different names internally, but basically, when do we add value to the bushel digitally? Not just capture the information, but when did a transaction or an interaction happen that saved somebody money, time, paper, whatever it was, that added value to the fact that you were on the bushel network in some way or another? And that's where our growth is going to come from. It's showing companies that we can really create some significant value just by being a part of what we're doing. Do you have examples of that you can share? Because that, that's interesting. Probably the simplest example is most grain contracts today are done on paper. There's maybe a 10% adoption of e-sign in the industry, just like there's maybe a 10% adoption of ACH payments in the industry. Both of them are poor adoption and for no good reason. And it's certainly not the farmer's fault. The grain facilities have a poor process of doing these things. And so the ones that are adopting e-sign, great, but so many of them haven't. And so what we'll do is we'll say, okay, you've got a 5,000 bushel contract and you signed it electronically on the bushel platform. So you didn't just you know, do a normal contract and bushel captured the information and showed you your information. We actually also digitally signed that and saved you $20 as a facility to not have to spend tracking down that contract, printing it, getting the grower to sign it. And you reduced your legal risk and the farmer has agreed. Everybody's on the same page. You've got a signature. So that's an example where we would capture 5,000 bushels of value we created by just doing a signature. Now, imagine if that came in through an electronic offer instead of a phone call, and then it was signed electronically. Now we've created a ton of value on that simple 5,000 bushels of a contract. And so that's an example of the kind of thing we'll track in the future for our company internally and some of our goals around how do we make sure our company is building towards creating value for our customer and their farmer. That's where we're going. We're going to keep doing that for the next five to 10 years. I think that's going to be our metric for a long time. Well, Jake, let's close the loop on that example. Then what about also going one step further and delivering the payment for the receipt of those bushels, right? I mean, just really thinking about what are all the ways that you can electronically add value to this data that's moving across the network. And then that 5,000 bushel contract, if the grower connected their farm logs account, now we're serving up that information. They didn't have to double enter it to keep track. And we added value once again on a simple 5,000 bushel data set. You know, three, four, five times we can create more efficiency than what was being done on paper before double entry, et cetera. So I hopefully, Tim, that makes sense uh, and to some of the listeners as well. You know, three, four, five times we can create more efficiency than what was being done on paper before double entry, et cetera. So I hopefully, Tim, that makes sense and to some of the listeners as well. Well, yeah, I mean, and it sounds a little bit like, you know, digitizing infrastructure is basically a means to create a moat to be best positioned to serve fintech products. Certainly in our five-year modeling, we are considering the fact that the fintech offering of literally just helping this industry get payments moved to a digital process instead of on paper is a massive value creation for our business, but also for all the companies involved because the amount of inefficiencies in payments in this space is mind-boggling. I mean, we have ACH fraud it is off the charts. When they are trying to use ACH, they're getting defrauded and sending wiring money to some account in Saudi Arabia, and we've got all kinds of problems, right? And then you've got the fact that the paper check goes out. You know, It may not get deposited right away, but you can't really plan for that. So you've got no assumption around how much floats real versus maybe they just forgot to deposit the check. I'm in Florida on vacation as a farmer, and I want to get that money in the bank, and it just got to the house. Well, I'm not in the house. I'm, I'm in Florida vacationing, and I'd like to buy a nice car down here. And now I've got to figure out how to get somebody to run to the bank, get a second signature because, you know, I've got to lean on some of my assets and then I can finally deposit that check. 
there's a huge problem in this space. And certainly our customers can help solve it. And us working with them, uh, will be able to help digitize some of that movement so that we do believe fintech is a big opportunity for Bushel. It's not the only opportunity, but certainly it's, it's a major opportunity ahead of us. So with that in mind, then, you know, charging farmers for the farm logs software, does it become a feature of Bushel to have that? I'm not going to make you commit to for free, but uh, maybe as a reduced price because it's a means to an end to create this digital infrastructure and in turn, you know, make the money on the other end. Yeah, you nailed so, it. We've talked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've talked a lot about it. So like, imagine if you could buy farm logs for X price right now. But if you are working with a facility who's on the bushel network, your price for farm logs is reduced. And then if you connect and use more of the offerings, yet again, the offer just a kind of subscription fee to the product continues to be more effective for your business because now you're using more of our tools. And there's other ways we can monetize that have nothing to do with charging you a license every year. And so that's our hope is that as we expand our offerings, the more involved you are in our network of tools, actually, the more financially viable it is to use these tools into the future. So you can imagine stacking value. You know, if you use farm logs to figure out what you want to sell your grain for, and then you use our trade tool to submit an offer to that facility you're working with. I mean, we just create a value for everybody in the process. And certainly the farmer shouldn't bear the cost of all that. We don't believe that that's where it needs to live. Frankly, the banks should be bearing more costs. Frankly, other service providers that don't add a lot of value should take on some of these um, things in our facilities and our farmers deserve to just do a better job of of doing what they do best, which is building relationships and buying grain from each other. So, very interesting. So, following the logic of this has to be an independent, you know, I'm sure that's why corporate VCs from Schooler, Cargill, and others are involved. It has to be an independent because they can't just build an internal tool and and have the network effects that you're going to have. I get that. Following that logic, and because we're in 2021. Wouldn't it make sense to say, well, shouldn't this exist without a third party in the middle, without a bushel in the middle, totally decentralized on some sort of blockchain? Good question. So the challenges are so great that blockchain, in my opinion, brings no value. The value of blockchain is when the information is available and standardized, and we've all agreed on the process, a blockchain can add value. Guess what? Not a single one of those three things has happened. We don't have an agreement on even what a scale ticket looks like, let alone how we should pay out a contract or what a settlement should look like or what an agronomy invoice should be standardized or what even a, we don't even have a field record. The same shape doesn't exist in this country. We have a million versions of the same field because everybody came up with their own version. It's like, like that's a solution looking for a problem. Uh, the problems haven't been solved yet to make that a, a viable solution. Well, another reason why blockchain doesn't necessarily make sense is if you think about blockchain, it's an open distributed ledger. We're not actually trying to make the data on the network open in a way that's not permissioned. This is secure transmission of data from one party to another that's authorized to have that access, not necessarily awaited for any participant to just independently verify you know, this data that it exists like in blockchain. So it's a different problem that we're solving. We are building infrastructure that allows data to flow in a permissioned way from one system to another, which is going to be you know, in the control of the person generating that data. Tim, I think the, the thing that I've always answered this question, and I've, I've been in blockchain conversations in a lot of these conferences, Bushel will be one of the greatest contributors to the agriculture supply chain blockchain someday in the future. 
we, through permission of our customers, will help contribute to whatever that future state is, but we certainly don't need to build it. We think the problems we have ahead of us to solve are big enough. And um, you know, if we all someday agree on what the right sort of traceability solution is for the industry to, to secure our food and to prove to our other markets that you know what we create here is better than anywhere in the world, great. We'll help participate and make it hopefully easier for your company or your farm to actually facilitate and, and participate in that. But we certainly don't think we need to solve that problem directly, if that makes sense. So I want to be very clear and consistent with the message you've shared this whole time, which is you all are not sharing data. You're not taking data from one person and giving it to another. It all has to be permission. Now, with that said, you are putting yourself in a position to extract some really interesting insights that haven't been possible from anyone before. So these would be, you know, aggregated, anonymized data, insights pulled from that. What are you doing in that area now? And give us a taste of what's possible there in the future. Yeah, it's good. It's a good question. If you're ever like super concerned about our approach on both farm logs and Bushel's website, we have a data privacy policy that in a more simplistic manner walks you through how we view this, right? So it's not like a bunch of legalese. It'll just tell you, hey, practically, here's what we mean when we say we're doing it this way. So good to give you an example, the anonymized data set, right? We have 10 billion bushels is more than Cargill, ADM, and probably one or two others added together have in terms of the view of the market at any one time certainly better than the USDA has. Could we predict better some of the USDA's markets and outcomes that they've had? Looking back on history and saying, hey, what if we were looking at that information at the time when the USDA came out with that, would we have been more accurate? The answer is yes. And it's not just retroactive. We could have predicted a better answer. So maybe we could help there just to stabilize markets, but maybe that's not our job. I'm not sure that that's really the right place to go. A better example would be a facility of ours, we can do a study on their data over a course of two or three years, and we can tell you based on weather patterns in your region and delivery information that we have, when within probably a 90 to 95% accuracy, what week of the month, three months away, is going to be your busiest for deliveries from the farm. And that is value because you can decide when to staff appropriately. A lot of these companies staff up during the, the harvest times. And if you staff up the wrong week, there's people sitting around twiddling their thumbs. And, and we've been able to prove that we can look at historical and predict about three months out at over 90% accuracy, what week is going to be your busiest week for delivery. And that's not so easy to do um, in a sort of a traditional sense. So that's an example of how we'll take the information that we've been working on with our customer and then bring some value back to them. Same thing for, for the farmer. Jesse, maybe you have some ideas you could share. I mean, there's yeah, a couple of things we could do to help the farmer. Imagine you're considering a grain sale and you want to know you know, like what percentage sold other growers are in your area, being able to benchmark yourself and being able to do something like that. I mean, these are, these are ideas that we could explore um, in a way that doesn't actually hurt any of the participants in the network for having their data aggregated or, you know, like used in this way. It actually just creates net new value for everybody involved. Awesome. Well, you got, you're building the infrastructure and now you've, you've got the uh, interface. So uh, you're well on your way. I appreciate the time today, guys. Any, any final comments before I let you go? And I appreciate you staying a couple minutes late. Well, so I think, Tim, there's something that there's a lot of stories that need to be told about the last decade of egg tech. And I, I'd say people like yourselves need to help us tell these stories because there's some, some crazy stuff has happened. Some of it doesn't make any sense. I mean, we're literally talking 10 years right now, right? 2011, both of our companies had started. We were working on an egg tech startup at the time, separate from Bushel. I mean, he was building farm logs. 
So here's how I would try to explain what's happened and how we ended up where we are. Yes, we were capturing digital pictures of the fields. And there was a lot of companies who cared about digital pictures of the field. Turns out that's not a great business model. A whole bunch of them are dead. Then we've got farm management software. There was a lot of farm management software. There's still plenty out there today. They say, you know, digitizing, but all it really meant for the last 10 years was farmer, type in all of your information and we'll digitize it for you. You might as well have wrote it down on a piece of paper because the effort's the same and the ability to do anything with the information is limited, especially when you can't get somebody to actually put the information in. So that's been, I wouldn't call that digitizing. I'd call that a fancy spreadsheet. I think every farmer has this amazing vision of like from my field work to my tractor and machinery to my system I use to run the farm, to operate the farm, to what I do with the rest of the sale of the grain, that should be all integrated and nobody's put that together yet. That's what we're going to do the next five to 10 years here at Bushel. And the FarmLocks team is a, a really important component to helping connect the farmer themselves more directly with that opportunity. Well, thank you very much to both Jake Jornstad and Jesse Vollmer for being on the show. Really enjoyed getting to learn a little bit more about Bushel. I hope that shed some light on it for you. I know it did for me. You can learn even more by visiting their website, which is www.bushelpowered.com, especially if you represent a grain company. I'm sure they'd love to get you on board, but now all farmers with the Farm Logs tool as well. I wish them continued success in all that they're doing. I really appreciate those of you who keep sharing this content on social media and also those of you who email me about the show. I know I haven't been the best at replying, especially not lately, but I promise I'll get back to those of you who send me messages and I can't thank you enough for the feedback. As always, thanks for your time and your attention today. I never take it for granted. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation.